just let you guys know how excited I am to be here. And Stephen's right that uh, we were having lunch. I don't know where we were even sitting, and I know what I was eating because I was freaked out. When, <laughs> what's that? It was a really good salad. It was. Yours was. Uh, you had some of mine? And no. I was taking your word for it. Um, anyway, uh, just as I've been working through this process of, of studying God's word and, and the things that God had been teaching me at that time and has subsequently just put on my heart and taught me since then. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a, a challenging but a fun experience. And I've been excited to, to come here and, and meet you guys and learn about who you are uh, and just share with you what God has taught me. And so um, I uh, have not been to... Um, I have not been to a winter camp this century. This is my first one this century. Uh, the last winter camp I was at was in 1999. Um, so it's been a little while. So go easy on me. Uh, yeah, it, we'll, we'll get into this. Um, really what I wanted to do, because there's a lot of new faces out here. Um, some of you I've met, some of you I know. I've got a chance to meet some of you. A lot of you I don't know. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to start by giving you a little bit of my background, who I am, where I came from, that kind of thing. And then I'm just going to ask you guys a series of questions. And I want to get some feedback from you, uh, who you are and what you're into. So um, a few fun little facts about me. I actually attended three high schools in my, in my life, one in Ohio, one in Georgia, one in Wisconsin. Uh, I graduated in 2000, so it's been 20 years since I've been out of school, and it does go fast. Um, when I was in school, uh, I played sports one year. I played baseball one year because my mom begged me to play a sport, and I was awful. I was awful. Our team won one game that year. We were like 1 in 13, I think. We got mercyed like four times. Does anybody know what the mercy rule is in baseball? Yeah, you get beat. They, the opposite team scores so many runs in like the first three innings, they just call the game. They're like, I, we're done. We're mercying, I, we're mercying you. That happened to us like literally four times, and I was the bench warmer on that team. I was no joke. Uh, I had my jersey number was one because it was the only one that would fit on my jersey because uh, I was so skinny. Like Bobby gets that. Anyway, but... <laughs> But here's, okay, so here's how bad I was. This is how bad I was. We had a home game. I always batted ninth, uh, and I was in the batter's box. And, and I remember it. I can remember this so clearly. The, the pitcher winds up, let's go the ball, and I can see it coming. And it is literally headed right for my face. So I did what anybody would do. I jumped out of the batter's box. And as soon as I get out of the batter's box, I hear, strike! I was like, what are you, crazy? Uh, that's, what an idiot. So I got back in the batter's box. I'm ready to go. Same thing. It's coming right for my face. And I'm like, all right, this time I'll take my medicine. I'll, get, I'll take the hit. I'll get the base. I'll advance the team. So I'm like, nothing. Strike. I open my eyes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Seriously? And I'm like, where did the ball go? I, it was about to stink and hit my face. 
So finally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep my eyes open because I don't know where this ball's going. Uh, so I'm in there, third pitch. And I, I keep my eyes open. The pitcher winds up, lets it go. And it is coming right for my face. And at the last second, it curves down and goes into the strike zone. Welcome to the curveball. I have never in my life seen a curveball. And I was so bad, I didn't even know what it was. So... <laughs> That was my experience with baseball. That was my experience with sports. So I'm like, enough of this. This is stupid. I'm bad. Um, I had moved to Wisconsin uh, halfway through my sophomore year of high school. And uh, I've always been drawn to agriculture, always liked cattle. Hey, you moved to the right spot. Uh, if you want to get involved with agriculture and cattle, Wisconsin's the place to be. So I knocked on doors till somebody gave me a job, and that's what I did with my free time. Um, I just liked being around cows, and they paid me to do it. So I made money on the side. Um, I enjoyed being there. I learned stuff. The guy that I worked for was just a phenomenal human being. Uh, he was patient with me. He taught me responsibility and skills. Um, my home life was a little rough, and so it was a nice outlet. And I ended up actually working seven days a week all through high school. I would get to, to, to the farm about four, work till about 8.30 every day of the week, just because I enjoyed being there. Um, and that was, that was how I spent my time. Um, that was a long, long time ago, but, but it's amazing because those years that I spent doing that and that was my outlet and that was what I enjoyed doing led into my, my, uh, my, what I got my continuing education in and that's what I do for a career now is, is I work with, with livestock and agriculture. So those decisions I made compounded over time um, and I don't play baseball, so um, <laughs> shockingly enough. Um, I was in, uh, I'll probably be on an island on this one. Does anybody know what FFA is? We've got two people. Uh, yeah, I figured, and that's two more than I expected. The Future Farmers of America, like that was my organization that I was involved in. So uh, that's what I did. Those were, that was how I spent my time in high school. Those were things that had my attention and, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was 20 years ago. So enough about me, I'm boring. That's how I got through high school. Those are the things that I did. I wanna know about you guys. I, I had dinner with some guys and talked to some young ladies earlier and, and just put some feelers out, but who in here, who's in sports in here? Who, yeah, show me, raise a hand. Who's in sports? Hi, I can't see that far. I've been out of school 20 years. Oh, okay, so we've got, what's, okay. Uh, uh, look, what sports? What do you, what do you guys play? Pink shirt, what do you play? Uh, I run cross country and track. Okay, okay. So you run cross country. Is that like you pretend you're being chased through the jungle and that's like how you motivate yourself to? Uh, yeah. Okay, cross country track. What about you? What do you play? Baseball. Baseball? Are you good at baseball? No. You know what? <laughs> you can let him answer. You're better than I was. You know what a curveball is, right? Yeah, you're better than I was. Okay, do so you play baseball? Okay. Traveling ball or anything? Or Okay. What, what about you, young lady? What do you play? Good deal. Good deal. Swim. Who else? Who else uh, plays sports that I didn't? You play sports, obviously. Yeah. Football, soccer, and tennis. No, and tennis. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go, go all out. Uh, yeah, what about you? I saw your hand, young man. 
lacrosse. Lacrosse. He's got a sport, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell you one thing. There, uh, there was a little bit of lacrosse in Wisconsin where I graduated high school. We, my high school had a hockey team, and those guys were some bad dudes. And then there were some other. Oh, they're stinky. <laughs> the, uh, they smell bad. They smell bad. But there were like, some other high schools that had lacrosse teams. That is a violent sport. That is a violent sport. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Elliot, why are you not playing lacrosse? Because I live in New Philly. Okay, who else? Who else plays sports? Somebody on the. Yes, young lady. Volleyball, good deal. That that's okay. That's fun. How many years have you played volleyball? Since like fourth grade. Holy cats. Okay. What grade are you in now? I'm a junior. You're a junior. Okay. Somebody hey, well, back there. Does anybody play sport? Yes, you. Dance and softball. Okay. How many years have you done dance? Holy smokes. Uh, my wife had an exchange student from Spain years ago, and that young lady was really into ballet. And I had no idea how physical dance can really be. And apparently it's pretty taxing, and it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Otherwise, Elliot would do it. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what other activities are you guys in? Okay, we covered sports. What else do you guys do? Uh, who in here, who has a job? Who do, who's an idiot like me and worked? Uh, yeah, what do you do? You work where? Nice, nice. Hey, there. Hey, listen, there's no shame in working a job at Wendy's. That's a you have a job. Hey, you got hired yesterday. Yes, what do you do? Are you gonna like? Slash his tires or something. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been at McDonald's? Seriously, I, that's um, there's no shame in having a good job. I'm going on uh, two and a half years. That's all. And how? Like, how many? What year are you in school? I'm a senior this year. Okay, fantastic. No joke. Like, uh, that's I got. Like, that's how I paid for my college. Like, I got no help. And and I, you want it, you get it, and you have my respect. What about you, Tim? I sell plants. Awesome. Awesome. What, uh, what kind of plants? Wait a second. Uh, does, does, does Andy need to leave the room to find out what kind of plants you sell? What kind of plants you sell? I play trees and shrubs. Okay. Okay. Trees and shrubs. Hey, listen, you're talking to somebody in agriculture. Agriculture is the number one industry in the state of Ohio, so I'm right there with you. Ethan, what do you do? I mow, mow yards. That's just not That's, <laughs> am, Does mowing yards count for a job? Most certainly. Yes. You can make a pile of money cutting grass. Okay, Sam, what do you do? I work at Stark Glass. Stark Glass? Yeah. What do you guys do there? In fabricate commercial windows. Sheesh. That's outstanding. Fantastic. Uh, hang on, I'll go, uh, you and then you. Uh, it's Brandon, right? Um, Working at Panera, making sandwiches like a woman. Okay. Well, let me uh, let me just make a comment there. I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a little word of, of wisdom. 
Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of word of advice, small word of advice. If you turn your, if you turn your head this way, you're, in a couple years, yeah, in a couple years, you're going to want them to become interested in you for more than just friends. Those kind of comments don't get you real far. Uh, young lady, what, uh, what are you, where do you work? I work at Hartville Hardware. So. Good deal. That's a nice hardware store. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't make sandwiches? Wow. Outstanding. What do you do? You're a lifeguard. That's an important job. It's an important job. You, you lifeguarded, didn't you? No. My brother did. Your brother did. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. But I've, uh, there's a young man that, that used to be in the youth group here and graduated and moved on, and he's told me about how he literally has saved lives lifeguarding. That's an important job. What else? Who in here, uh, um, let's see, what else do you do? Uh, who plays, what do you guys do for fun? Hobbies. Uh, you guys are shouting things out all the time. What, what do you do? What do you do for fun? Oh. Board games? What else? Video games? Yes, what do you do? A lot of instruments. A lot of instruments. Who in here plays music? Uh, raise your hands higher. You got to be higher. Okay, yeah. Okay, what do you play? Piano and flute. Piano is like, who built this instrument and made it sound like that? That was a genius. Uh, what do you do? Uh, percussion. Percussion. That's awesome. Uh, who over here? Did you? Guitar? Hey, what do you play? The tuba. The tuba. Nice. Nice. I play guitar, but I actually sometimes write songs. Even better. Even better. That's. You're going to have an interesting future, young man. That's got my eye on you. What do you play? The clarinet and ukulele. The clarinet and ukulele. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes, you. What do you play? I'm sorry, what? The clarinet as well. Okay. That's, man, that's fantastic. Um, so, like, when, when, I mean, things have changed a lot since I was in high school. Like, baseball started in April and it was over in June. That's why I was bad. But, like, there's traveling teams now and there's, there's summer league and there's, how much time do you guys devote to, like, sports? A lot? Like, how many months of the year do you guys play sports? Gracie, I know you play sports. Don't act like you're all shy. I do six. Six? Yeah. Like, 11. 11, 12. Who, like, back there? Who else? Like, baseball. I haven't stopped since, like, probably, like, 16. Holy smokes. What about, uh, like, how much time? How long is a practice? An hour or two. Two hours? The, 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 one of the high schools I went to, they were really good in basketball, and they would practice. They had a... Uh, it was the day after, it was like Thanksgiving Day or the day after Thanksgiving. They were like crazy about basketball. And they would set trash cans up at either end of the court and make the kids run until they threw up. And because they were so devoted to winning at basketball. Um, what about like how much time do you put in a week at work? Who works like, who works 10 hours a week? More. Or more, more, okay. What about instruments? How much time does it take to become proficient at an instrument? Like you practice every day? Time. Time? Okay, like an hour a day, 15 minutes a day? Time. Just time. It just takes time. Okay, okay. Now, I'm going to ask another question here. These next couple questions, don't answer these out loud. Don't answer these out loud. Just answer these yourself. So we've got all these activities going on and time budgets, and, and we want to be proficient. We want to be good at this stuff, and it takes time. Just like I spent a lot of hours uh, working to make money. Um, and that's important. That's good. Who in here read their Bible for 10 minutes this morning? 
Who in here read your Bible every day last week without missing a day? Who in here, you don't have to answer out loud. This is for you. This is, this is, this is all introspection. Who in here uh, has a time set aside every day where you get alone and you talk to God? You pray for your parents. You pray for your friends, your classmates, the lost people you know. You pray for the things you're struggling with. How much time do you devote to that every week? What about um, scripture memory? Who in here memorizes, when's the last time you memorized a scripture of your own volition? You just got it into your head. Now, I don't, I don't want to ask these questions to, to punch you in the face and make you feel bad. I mean, maybe a little bit. I ask these questions because I want you to, to think. And I want you to understand a concept that you need to understand as you develop into young men and young women who are going to walk with God. Because every one of you needs to walk with God. And, and this is, a, this is an, an immensely important concept. And so we're going to talk about tonight and tomorrow. And we're going to study uh, a man's life that God uh, recorded for us in the Bible about this concept of introspection. And introspection is simple. It's simply looking within and God gave us an amazing thing here. He gave us his, his book, his word, that is a mirror that we can hold up and we can look into and we can judge ourselves and we can look at ourselves and we can ask ourselves, where are we at? And as we do that, we need to exercise practically ways to measure what we're doing, what has our heart. We're going to look at all that stuff. And so that's why I ask those questions. And I want you to think. I want you to think about... Where is my time? What do I do? What do I make time for? What am I good at? Why am I good at it? And we're going to talk about that stuff. So let's pray one more time, and then we're going to rip into to some verses here. Heavenly Father, I, uh, God, I just come before you tonight, and um, God, I cannot thank you enough for saving my soul, for intersecting my life, for creating, making me into a new person. I cannot thank you enough for this book that you have preserved and put into my hands and entrusted me with. And I pray, God, that tonight and tomorrow would not be about, it wouldn't be about me. It wouldn't be about, it wouldn't be about my thoughts and my ideas, God. I pray that this would be about you and it would be about the eternal souls of precious human beings that you love more than we can possibly comprehend. Father, I pray that you would give us your wisdom, wisdom that's from above, that's peaceable, that's easily entreated, God, that we can do something with and put it in action in our lives. Not because we have the power to do it, but God, because we don't have the power to do it, because we want to intersect you. We want to spend time with you. We want you to work in us, and we want to be vessels meet for your use. So God, I pray that you would get me out of the way, that you would use me as, as just a vessel to preach your message to these people. And I pray, Father God, that you would give them ears to hear and you would give them soft hearts that are receptive to your word, that, Father, that you would plant your seeds in that would germinate in your time and that you would grow fruit that, that, that remains for you, that you would be glorified by the lives of every single human being in this room. God, I love you and I thank you and I ask all of these things humbly in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, please turn to Acts chapter 22. If there's somebody that, that you see is struggling to find some of these passages we're going to go to, don't be afraid to humbly and kindly reach over and help somebody find where they are. It's very important that we read these things. So we're going to talk about 
we're going to talk about a guy. We're going to look at uh, the Apostle Paul. And most of you in this room, dare I say, would know who the Apostle Paul is, but some of you may not. So we're going to look at his background, and we're going to look what happened to this man. And, and where we pick up the story, what we're going to read is um, it takes place in Jerusalem, which is the capital of the, the current day Israel, the capital city of Israel. And Paul is standing on a set of, of steps. I would imagine they would be stone steps. And he's facing a crowd of Hebrews, Israelites, would be Jewish people that want to kill him. And there's a throng of these people. And they're very angry and they literally want him dead. And so Paul is on these steps and he's being taken away in custody and he has an opportunity to address this crowd that wants him to cease to exist. So he quiets them down. They're listening. He has an audience with them. And this is what he says. We'll start in verse 3. He says, I am verily a man which am a Jew. Born in Tarsus, born in Tarsus a city of Cilicia, yet brought up this day at the feet, excuse me, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. So what he's saying is, listen, guys, you're a throng of Jews. So am I. I was born in Tarsus of Cilicia, not far from here. And I was brought here to Jerusalem. And I, I studied under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, I'm assuming I'm saying his name right, he was an authority of the law. He was the, the, uh, the, the kingpin, if you will, of Pharisees. And so to study under this man would be to, like, to study under one of the greats of any craft. It would be like studying basketball under Michael Jordan or, or uh, studying football under Joe Montana. It, it would be the greatest of, that there ever was, and you're studying under him, and this is part of his pedigree. And he's telling these people, this is who I am, and this is very important. He says, and I taught, according of the, I taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous towards God as ye are all this day. He says, listen, I was taught according to the law of the Jewish people. The, the first five books of the Bible primarily and all the law that goes into that. I, was, I studied it. I knew it. I was a lawyer. I studied under the best of the best. And they wanted to kill Paul because even though this was Paul's background, Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they wanted to kill him for that. And what he's saying is, listen, I used to be zealous and I wanted to kill people too. And I wanted to kill people that, that, that I persecuted this way into death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Listen, this is what I did. I was so zealous about keeping the law. I was so zealous about the Jewish way of life. I was so zealous about what I'd studied and was brought up in that... I persecuted people just like you did. I was zealous about it just like you are. I would have been right here in this crowd if it, if it was me on the other side at one point. And I was so zealous that I would hunt down men and I would hunt down women and I would put them in prison and I would see to their death. And also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders. The high priest and the elders, they know what I'm about to tell you. They, they knew this who I was. And he said, I, uh, I had letters, I'd received letters, and I was on my way to Damascus, and it says to bring them that were bound to Jerusalem for to be punished. I was, I was so zealous for this to be done. I was headed to Damascus, another city, another area, and I was going to, I was going to bring these people to Jerusalem and have them tried, and I was going to have them put in prison. I was on my way to do that. I was going to see to it. It came to pass as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, middle of the day. Suddenly there shone a light from, 
Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And it fell unto the ground, and I fell unto the ground, and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And there's a couple things I want to stop right here, and I want to rip apart and look at. Number one, who does he say he is? He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he's Jesus of Na- and he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Was, to our knowledge, I, to my knowledge, Paul never met Christ in person. He never saw him. Who, do, who is Paul persecuting? He was persecuting the Christians, the people preaching the gospel, the people making disciples, the early church. So I want you to know this. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if His Spirit dwells inside of you, and you are a Christian today, and you are facing some level of persecution, whatever level that is, know this, and this is what I need to be reminded of, that God takes that personally. And when we as followers of Christ are persecuted, it's no different than Him personally being persecuted. He takes it personally. That's a very safe and comforting place for me to to be, for all of us to be. Secondly, here's the other thing that that I think is important. And they that were with me saw indeed the light. They saw it, and they were afraid. We know Paul was afraid because he was on the ground. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Listen, there's a lot of people in this room. There's almost, almost 50 of you high schoolers from various ages and backgrounds and places. And this much I know. You may be sitting in one of these seats and today or tomorrow, and you may hear something that resonates with you. But the guy sitting next to you may not hear that at all. And this is the important thing. God is speaking to you directly. When God resonates something with you that, that locks in your mind, that, that, you, can't, that you, you can't get rid of it, you think about it, 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 it eats at you, but the guy next to you, yeah, I didn't pick that up at all. That's because it was for you, not for anybody else. That was for you. And I know this. I got saved almost 16 years ago, a thousand miles away, and I didn't know anything. And I was just sharing with some friends of ours the other night about my, my salvation and how amazing and crazy the story is of, of how God pulled me out of the depths according to Psalm 40 and saved my soul. And he brought me a thousand miles away when I didn't know anything. And he planted me in this church and he grew me and brought me to this point right here, right now on this day. And so if you hear something that resonates with you tonight or tomorrow, and the guy sitting next to you doesn't resonate with him at all, know this. God brought me a thousand miles in a decade and a half to deliver a message personally to you. And I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. God went through a lot of trouble to tell you something. Because you matter. You matter a lot. So if something hits you, do not dismiss it. Pay attention. Act on it. Think about it. Wrestle with God over it. But don't dismiss it. You're far too important to God to just push these things aside. 
Verse 10. This is Paul speaking, and once again, he's on the ground, and there's this bright light shining around him, and everybody's freaked out and afraid. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there it shall be appointed to thee, and there it shall be told thee of thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. You know, Pastor Tom preached through some of this a couple weeks ago, and it, 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 it was amazing because I was studying this while he was preaching through it, and it just blew my mind, and I didn't see this. But an amazing transformation occurs between verses 8 and verse 10. In verse 8, we have Paul, we have Saul, we have Saul, a Jewish man with a Jewish name, on his way to Damascus to get followers of Jesus Christ, to take them bound into Jerusalem, to have them punished. He, he, he knows who Jesus Christ is because he's persecuting the very people that follow him. He's not lost on the, on the fact that Jesus Christ exists. But he doesn't know him personally. When he's humbled to the point and sees light, and the light breaks through, and God literally intersects his life, he goes from knowing who Jesus Christ is, the God of somebody else, to, what shall I do, Lord? He went from being a God that I know about to my God. The God that I'm, I'm going to humbly follow and submit to. Paul, Paul had an amazing life after this point. We, don't even have to, we couldn't even begin to go into the things that, that, that God took Paul to. The places that he went, the things that he did, the churches that he planted. It's amazing. All God told him was the first step. You do this one thing. You do the first thing I tell you to do. I'm telling you one thing. I want you to do it. I want you to be obedient. Lord, I'm hum I'll do it. You just show me the first step. You show me what it is to do. I don't, I don't need to see the whole road. I just need to know the first step to take. God, I'll do it. I, I swear to you, I'll do it. Okay. How do, we, how do we develop that kind of mindset, that attitude, that heart towards God? Have, have we intersected God that way in our lives? Has, is, is, he, is He a God that you've heard about? You know about Him. You're obviously, you're here. You know people that follow Him. Maybe, maybe you're persecuting very Christians yourself because it's funny to make fun of them. Maybe. Or... Have you come to that point where you've reached the end and you're in desperation and, and understanding that he, he is God and you're going to follow Him because He's worthy of everything? That's an amazing transformation. What's so amazing about that, and this is what Pastor Tom pointed out, was that it, like that, in the blink of an eye, that quick is how fast that transformation took place. And I think back of my own testimony and, and how I got saved and yeah, literally, my heart was broken because of the way I was living my life and I knew it was wrong and I couldn't take it and I was to this point where like, God, I'm either going to lose my mind and die or I'm going to get right with you. These are my two options. I know the truth and the truth pressed down on me so hard. I had to do something. So where are you at with that? Which side of that equation are you on? Where are you? All of this that we're going to talk about is introspection and correcting our course. And if we don't, if we're going to correct our course, if we're off course and we're going to correct where we're going, we can't correct anything if we don't know where we currently are. 
I, I, can, I can plug an, an address into my GPS to, to go to Cleveland, but if my GPS doesn't know my current location, I'm not getting to Cleveland. I'm gonna end up who knows where. So the question for you is tonight, this is a divine appointment. I've been praying for you guys in this meeting for two months. I don't know who you are. I don't know your names. I don't know where you're from. I don't know your parents. I, I don't know where your high school is. My prayer was, God, would you bring the people you want to be there, there? Would you give me the words that you want them to hear? Would you give them the message? God, I will be faithful to deliver it, but you bring the people that you want. You're not here by accident. God went through a lot of trouble because you're that valuable. What side of the equation are you on? You've got to be introspective. You've got to look at this. You've got to drill down and ask yourself these hard questions. So as we work our way through that, we look at Paul's values. And, uh, and we see... Flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul actually wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. And, and this is an amazing thing. It would help me if I was in the right book. So we have Paul, who, who is, is on his way to persecute Christians. He's bound and determined. He's set to do it. He's on his way to Damascus. In the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, on a bright sunny day, there's a light that's so bright that it blinds him and everybody around him. It terrifies him to the point he's on the ground. Everybody's freaked out. God speaks to him. He hears the voice of God. He hears the words of God. He's submissive to the voice and the words of God. God uh, saves his soul, uh, sends him on a mission. And he writes this letter in the midst of it. And this is what he has to say. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Keep that in the back of your mind and flip to, we're going to go to Acts chapter 20 now. And this is where we're going to settle in and just, this is where we're going to settle in. We're going to spend a lot of time here today and tomorrow. So when Paul was on his missionary journey, actually there's three missionary journeys for Paul, where he went all throughout Asia Minor and into Greece, and he planted churches, and he made disciples, and, and he preached the gospel. He wrote, he wrote, good grief, how many letters did he write? I should know this. Uh, my JBI instructor's right there. Um, <laughs> most of our New Testament, much of our New Testament was actually written by Paul and preserved by God. So we have these things. It's amazing how God used this man. So he was a man that started out as a Pharisee, trained under one of the, one of the chief Pharisees of all time. You can get on, on, online and look up all kinds of crazy things about Gamaliel and, and who he was and how he was held in high esteem. So Paul is a Pharisee, trained by the elite of the elite. My wife, uh, before our hooligans came along, uh, she worked at a law firm. And the, there was, it would always be interesting for me to hear her talk about the things that they studied at the law firm. And the Pharisees studied the law. They kept the law. They were experts at the law. And uh, 
these attorneys my wife would tell me about, like you've got some law firms that are like the prestigious law firms. It's good grief. It's like a society in and of itself. And, and the money that flies through those places. And you see these guys in the, you know, the tailored thousand dollar suits they wear. And my wife would tell me about like the partners at this law firm and that, you know, the bonuses they would give themselves and have these nice cars. And hey, I'm a capitalist like anybody else. You earned it, good for you. I'm not saying it's wrong that those guys earned all that money. What I'm saying is there are a lot of creature comforts. There's prestige. People look up to you. People get nervous in your presence because of who you are. Uh, you got a lot of power. You've got a lot of financial resources. You've got a lot of creature comfort. That's a nice car. I was driving a piece of trash Honda that like rust was falling off of it and I don't have an Audi. Not that I was comparing, but that was a nice car. Uh, good for him. Um, that's how Paul would have been. Think about Paul's lifestyle. In, in chapter seven of Acts, we see the, uh, Stephen is stoned to death the namesake of, of our, our pastor here, Stephen. You know why he was stoned to death? Because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews, and they hated it. They gnashed on him with their teeth, they picked up rocks, and they hit him with rocks until he died. Now, let me just tell you something. I've been in agriculture most of my life, uh, over a, lot of, a long time, over 20 years. Good grief. <laughs> I've, I've, a part of my job has been I've had to euthanize animals. I've had to put animals down. It's a sick feeling. I hate it. And these the animals that I used, I didn't just walk out for fun and put a cow down. No, it was an animal that was in a lot of pain. They were sick. There were things horribly wrong with them. The kindest thing I could do would be to end this animal's life. This animal that had no soul. It's, a, it's just, a, it's an animal. But I felt sick. I hated it. A couple weeks ago, I had to euthanize a pet for somebody that they... So I, I, and I felt sick. I hated it. I hated it. Stephen was a human being who loved the Lord Jesus Christ so much that he stood up against the crowd and he told them of the peril they were in. That it is appointed to every man once to die and after this the judgment. And if they passed into eternity at that moment without Jesus Christ who came to bear the price of their sin, they were in danger of judgment in hell. And the thanks he got for it was they picked up rocks and they killed him. Do you have any idea what it would be like to have that happen to you? Oh, by the way, Paul, who we're talking about here, stood back, and the Bible says that he consented unto the death of Stephen. And they piled their coats at his feet while they did the work. So he was such an authoritarian that, you know, we had to sign consent forms. Your parents consent, they give you permission, it's allowable. You can do this under my authority. The Apostle Paul had so much authority in the Jewish community, in the Hebrew community. I'll allow it. You may pick up the stones and this man be done. And they, they, yeah, hold my coat while I do it. And the sick feeling I got putting a stupid animal down, I cannot imagine what it would be like when a human being is in that position in a murderous, horrific, awful way. This is the kind of human being he was. So he hated Christians. He hated the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had no idea who, who Christ was, although he'd heard the name. But on that day in Damascus, with a bright light in the middle of the day, and he was, he was broken and humbled and on his, on his knees on the ground, what shall I do, Lord? 
okay, I surrender, I give up, I, I can't do this anymore, all things become new. He's a creature, he's a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. So on his third missionary journey, he stops in this town of Ephesus and he spends like years there making disciples, planting this church. He's there for this church's inception. He loves these people. He goes, uh, he leaves Ephesus. He goes all throughout Greece. He comes, he's on his way back to Jerusalem and he stops in this, this little town called Miletus. Miletus is about 50 miles away from Ephesus. And when he's in Miletus, he says, hey, uh, bring the, the elders of the church at Ephesus that I helped plant. Bring those guys here. I want to talk to them. And this is where we have it recorded, his conversation with them. And he says in verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, the first day, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. Guys, you know from the first day I set foot in Ephesus how I treated you and how I was with you all the time. I never changed. I was the same from the beginning to the end. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Do you know what the definition of humility is? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just not thinking of yourself at all. There's a huge difference between the two. He served these people with humility of mind. His mindset was not to think about me. I'm thinking about you. And with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. The very people that I was a part of lied and wait for my destruction, and it, it, it broke my heart. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Listen, guys, I'm heading to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen, but everywhere I go, God is telling me I'm going to be bound and it's not going to be good. But I'm going there anyway, because I love the people in Jerusalem. The people that, that were under my purview and did my bidding, I love those people. And they've got to know about repentance toward Jesus Christ and salvation that lies in Him alone. I've got to go there, and I know it's not going to be good. Verse 24, and this is, the, this is the crux of the matter. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus that He didn't know at one point. And now He's received a ministry from Him. And this is the ministry to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So it's amazing. We see over a period of time, he becomes a new creature instantly. He becomes saved instantly. And God sends him to a man by the name of Ananias in Damascus and changes his course. He was going to Damascus either way. God still let him physically, geographically go to the same area. But instead of meeting with a high priest and collecting and rounding up Christians, he met with a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he went and made more disciples. Cosmic shift. A minor shift but a cosmic shift. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. What a tiny change in calibration can make. But Paul's affections went from his earthly authority, his prestige, his place, the sway in society, his creature comforts, his clothes, the good food that he got to eat, 
the fact that everybody thought he was awesome, that he was a superhero, that if I told you to do something, you're going to do it, or I'll destroy your career, or your marriage, or you'll do what I say because I have power. That was what was valuable to him. All of those things. He was so zealous about the law and keeping the law and, and how that he was willing to kill people. That's what he loved. He became a new creature when he intersected the Lord Jesus Christ, who, oh, by the way, he was literally God's enemy at that point. He was literally God's enemy, killing Christians, persecuting Jesus Christ. So he took it personally, and he still wanted to save him. I do not understand that. I don't. I have three beautiful children. I love them more than oxygen. If someone harmed them, it's not my natural. I w this is supernatural. The love of Christ is supernatural. I was God's enemy. I knew the truth. I rejected it. I didn't care. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. He wouldn't leave me alone. And in an instant, I became a new creature in Christ, and old things passed away, and all things became new. And so these affections, these things that, that Paul held dear, it was important to him, now all of a sudden, the people of Ephesus are important. They're so important that he'll spend three years with them. They're so important that, that when he's coming back through, he wants to see them one last time. And these guys that he discipled that are now leaders of this church, like, I gotta see you one more time, and I gotta tell you guys, we're just, you're not gonna see my face anymore. And you know what they did? They cried. Grown men. They broke down in tears because they loved each other so much. You know, when I became a Christian, God just put amazing people into my life, amazing people into my life. My life has changed. I have, I have an amazing life. I have an awesome life. God gave it to me. And there are people in my life that if they came to me today and said, listen, i got to go and you're not going to see me ever again, yeah, I would bawl like a baby. And outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God and, and our relationship with Christ, you know what I have in common with these guys? Not much. Not much at all. I mean, some of them... <laughs> Some of them love soccer. I think soccer is stupid. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, some of you are really good at soccer, so we're not going to play soccer because you'll make me look stupid. Um, but you know what? I love my friends who love soccer. So soccer is important to me when it's important to them. And I go watch soccer because it's important even though it's not my cup of tea. And, and oh, by the way, like, listen, I, if I pick on you for liking soccer, uh, I'm a very conservative free market capitalist, and I don't care if you're offended. Um, and so, <laughs> but here's the deal. If I'm going to offend you, it's okay that you, you can pick on me too, because here's the, here's the dirty little secret. Um, you may like soccer, and I think it's dumb, but if I've been, I've been to cow conventions <laughs> twice. <laughs> 
So, listen, we've all got our blight. Some of, yeah, you think it's pretty cool. So, well, Shay, hey, we'll hang out later. What's that? I'd say it's pretty cool to go there. Yeah, it's just amazing things. You eat well. So, listen, we all have our things. We can all laugh at ourselves. You can make fun of me for having the corduroy weirdo jacket and going to cow conventions, and all. we'll laugh and have fun, and I'll tell you to play hockey. Um, we'll all think it's fine. But here's my point. Listen. Instead of the, the tangibles of this earth, this carnal earth, with the things that make up this life that we look around and we think we have to have, they all of a sudden they weren't so valuable to Paul. And they weren't valuable to Paul because he tasted the Lord and saw that he was good. And Christ dwelled inside and abided in Paul. And Paul became a new creature. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires in thine heart, Psalm 37 says. And it's not that God's going to give you a second house in Maui, that he's going to let you drive a Ferrari, that you're going to have a huge bank account. You delight yourself in the Lord. You delight yourself in his word. You delight yourself in, in fellowship with like-minded believers that hold you accountable, that provoke you into good works, that edify you, that build you up, that withstand you to the face lovingly when you need to be withstood to the face who challenge you to be a better man, to be a better woman, to have a better walk with God, to build a stronger marriage, to handle your finances according to the Bible. You surround yourself with these people and this Word of God, and all of a sudden the things become important to you look a whole lot different than the things that used to. Now people become important. People matter. The older I get... The more I, I work, the more I see things, the more I experience in this life, in this world, the more I am telling you, mark this down. It's the relationships you have with people and the interactions you have with people that are going to bring value to your life. And I'm telling you right now, and I've told this to Cameron Warner sitting in the back, you graduated high school and I wrote this to you in a letter, you will find no greater joy in this life, no greater joy in this life, than serving other people. And it's a foreign concept to a world that says you can have it your way. And they train you and they tell you and they get into your head that the rudiments of this world. Listen, that's not why God has us here. And so as Paul dwelled in Christ and these, these things became important, his affections changed. And we have the entire book of Ephesians. I didn't know this until I did this study. This fried my circuits. It was amazing. He spent all this time. And he goes to Jerusalem and he's thrown in a prison. He spends two years in prison and he writes the book of Ephesians. I never saw this before. I never understood this connection. You don't have to turn there. I want to show you. I think I can find it. Now that I put myself on the spot, I'm not going to be able to. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul is two years, whereabouts, I don't know the exact time, but he's sitting in a Roman prison. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. He was encouraged by their faith in Jesus Christ and he ceased not to make mention of them in his prayers and thank God for them. 
and his prayer for them, and this should be your prayer for yourself and for your peers around you, that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who God is. Because when that drills down into your being, into, into the fabric of who you are, the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who God is, God is holy, God is just, God is righteous, God is love, God is patient, God is kind. Those are the things that you should have the desire of the wisdom and the, and the, and the revelation and the knowledge of those things in who you are. That's amazing. He loved these people. He loved the people of Jerusalem so much so that he said, listen, I don't care what's going to happen to me. They have to know. They have to know. I love them. So I don't count these things dear unto myself. That I may finish my course with joy in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's my question to you. What do you value? What's important? What has it? What do you like? Do you know how what you value? Do you, how do you gauge that? You already answered those questions in your mind at the beginning of this message. What has your time? What do you spend time on? You know, I got really convicted a few years ago. I'm a, I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan. I'm go Pack Go. Uh, the older I get, the less I care about the Packers. That's the other weird thing. You really do. You're just... I, I, I could, there was a point in my life I, I could have told you the offensive line for the 1965 Green Bay Packers. One guy on there was Jerry Kramer. It's my last name. Uh, I could have told you, I could have told you every draft pick of every year where they went to college, where they were going to be at in the lineup, where they subbed offensive linemen out. I studied those things. But I couldn't have told you all the books in the New Testament. I knew that. I, I memorized it. But I didn't have any verses memorized. I'd pick up the phone and I would talk to my dad and my brothers about, you know, who do you think the pack's going to win or beat? And, you know, all this stupid nonsense. It was fun. But I couldn't tell my brothers about their eternity. I still struggle with it. What's important? What matters? What do you put your effort, your time into? We only have so much time on this planet. We only have so much. What are we doing with it? What's valuable? And listen, if you're in here tonight and you don't know Christ, you're on this side of the equation where Paul was. I'm going to tell you something. It's, it is appointed unto every man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You know, Aaron Stanley, Pastor Aaron Stanley, I love being able to say that now. I love Aaron. He's a great guy. He told me this morning what Pastor Tom is going to preach on. And I'm like, holy cats, that's literally my message. Only from chapter 22 instead of chapter 26. Paul's testimony. That's just, that's crazy. Do you know how, um, you know how God turns the volume up in the Bible? I mean, it's a book. It's not audible. You know how God turns the volume up in the Bible? He repeats himself. He says the same thing over and over because it's important, because he's trying to get your attention, because he wants you to hear what he's trying to say. When God has an important message, he tells it to you more than once. 
Are you hearing him tonight? It is appointed unto every man, every man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. My grandpa used to have a saying, he's like, well, none of us are going to make it out of this alive. And he, he passed away about 10 years, 11 years ago. I still remember the last words he said to me. I, I can still hear his, the sound of his voice in my head. We're to stand before God in judgment someday, and we're to be judged according to the things that He entrusted us with on this earth, and we're to be judged according to His law, the very law that Christ came to fulfill. And so, if we've, if we've lied, if we've... Christ says that if you look at a woman to lust after, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. If we've, if we've hated someone so bad, we wanted them to die. We, we've, we've sinned against God, we've broken His law, and God is holy and just and righteous, and the penalty for breaking His law, without that, that law being fulfilled, is eternity in hell, because God has to see that the law is fulfilled. You can fulfill it. You do have the ability to do that. The, the price is your eternal, whole, your eternal soul spending hell, in hell for eternity, forever separated, always. Christ desires that none should perish. Hence, you're here. Hence, you're hearing this twice. Let me tell you a story. I love stories. So my last year of college, I went to school about an hour south of Green Bay, four or four and a half hours from my hometown, technical college. And I went there because the, the course required you to do a, a year internship in conjunction in tandem with your, your classroom studies. And so my day looked like I would, I would get up in the morning, I would get to the farm, I think I got there at five. I would, I would do my work on the farm, my internship on the farm. Uh, I would get done, I'd run home to my apartment, grab a quick shower, grab some breakfast, and then head to class and spend all day in class. And so, one morning I uh, got up, went to work, did my thing, uh, got everything done, headed home. My apartment, I, I was, I was, uh, this was, this was in 2003, so nobody had cell phones. I, some broke college kid, certainly didn't have a cell phone. So, as I walked up to my apartment, I can, I can, I, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I had my keys, put my keys, in the keyhole, and as soon as my key went in the keyhole, I could hear my phone ring on the other side of the, of the door, and then a landline. My like, that's weird. Let me just tell you something right now. I'm almost 40 years old. You guys are young. You're going to get phone calls in life that is, will change your life. Some of them are going to be for the good. Some of them are going to be for the bad. Your life can change in an instant by a phone call. So I'm like, that's weird. Uh, the tele telemarketers weren't really that bad back in 2003. So why would anybody call me at like eight in the morning? This is, this is weird. So I ran over and I grabbed the phone. And the guy that I worked for all through high school that I was, I was friends with, the really nice guy, like it was him. Well, this is really weird. And I could tell by the sound of his voice, something was not right. And, uh, and he said, hey, uh, this, he said, uh, it's Gary. Um, you're friends with Alyssa Spence, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, why? He's like, well, we, uh, we have the police scanner, and, like, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, 
she was in an accident. You may want to call somebody to find out what happened. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get right on it. And so uh, I hung up with him and I called my other, my other buddy who was also a dairy farmer. There were a pile of dairy farms up there. Um, and I knew that if I called this guy, he would still be in the barn at that time of day. And so uh, if I called the, the phone in the barn, I knew I would get him. And he answered the phone and the sound of his voice just stopped me in my tracks. And uh, I was like, hey, Corey, what's going on? And he's like, or I was like, how you doing? He's like, I'm not so good. And I'm like, what happened? I'm four and a half hours away. And I, I proceeded to get filled in on the story. So I had a friend, Alyssa Spence, and uh, we graduated high school together. We were close friends, uh, sweet girl. And she was in my hometown going to the, the university that was based right there. Was, she was a nursing student and she worked nights at a local nursing home. And uh, somebody else that she worked with asked her to switch shifts. And so she did. And being that she had this night off when she was normally supposed to be working, she went and had a study night with some of our other friends because they had a test coming up. So they studied for a few hours. She took the, the one friend and dropped her off home and, and was going to drop the other one off home and was heading into town. And unbeknownst to her, River Falls is a college town. There was a college kid who got really drunk, got into a fight with somebody at a gas station. The police said, hey, listen, we're not going to take you to the jail. You walk back to your dorm, you sleep it off, we'll let you go. She's like, fine. Well, he walked back, but he didn't go to his dorm. He got in his car and he headed out of town. And the best that they could put together, my understanding is, uh, the state police, when they reconstructed the accident, my understanding is that he was doing anywhere from 100 to 110 miles an hour when he hit her head on. And they life flighted her to a, uh, <clears throat> they life flighted her to a, a hospital in Minneapolis. She stayed on life support for five days. April 23rd, 2003, her mother's birthday. She slipped into eternity. And I wasn't saved at the time, but I'd been going to church with my roommate from college and, and God was working on me. And I can just remember like every time I got in my car. Listen, we were in high school together. She was an old woman and we didn't know it. She did not have much time. We didn't know. She was planning on taking a test next week. She was planning on a career. She was going to get married someday. She wanted a family. She wanted to be a mom. I, I, I got online and just looked this up in the past week because it was just on my mind and I was thinking about her. And you, you can hear somebody's voice. I, just weird stuff. And I found articles about her dad. He just can't handle it. He's just a wreck. It's been 17 years. He can't get over it. Just like that, she was gone. Just like that, you can be a new creature in Christ. But you don't know. You don't know how much time you have. So that's where I want to leave you guys tonight. Turn, turn to Psalm 139.
I go back to this. Listen, we cannot course correct if we do not know where we are. We must know where we are. We must. We must know our, our, our coordinates. God has brought you here specifically. This is a divine appointment. You are not here on accident. God saw fit to construct this message and have it preached twice to you today. This is important. This is a verse, this was written by David. And David, according to Paul in the book of Acts, is a man who, who is after God's own heart. And my wife and I, she was kind of picking on me the other day because I love these two verses. And I think these verses are so important. And I think that every human being should sear these verses into your mind. Get used to praying these verses back to God. If you're going to be a young man, a young woman of God, you have got to learn to be introspective. You have got to understand who you are, where you are, the decisions you're making, what drives the decisions you're making. All of it is of paramount importance. Verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. John 14, 6, Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. David's desire was to be led in the way everlasting. You know what the way everlasting is. The question is, are you there? And if you are a Christian, if you are on this side of the line, then you know that Christ lives inside of you, and you've been saved, you've been redeemed. Where are you at that way? Are you valuing people? Are you valuing the things that Christ values? Do you have plays memorized for a football team, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get this memorized this week. Yeah, I, I could make it to I could make it to practice. But I couldn't couldn't make it to discipleship, couldn't make it to church, couldn't make it here, couldn't make it there. I'm not telling you to quit sports. I'm not. Don't hear me. Don't don't hear me say that, because that's not what I'm saying. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. But what I'm telling you is tonight, wrestle with God. Approach him with the humble heart attitude. And ask Him to search you. Oh God, search me, oh God. It's a desperate plea. Know my heart. Know it. Know who I am. Know what my decisions are, my passions, my likes, my, my whys in life. What drives me. Try me. Know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Guys, you're 17, 18 year old boys. Does it trouble you to have God know your thoughts? What are you spending other time with? Trust me, I was 17 once too. I know what the temptations are. Where are you at with God in that factor? Ask Him to search it. Get real with Him. Get honest with Him. Wrestle with Him. Make yourself vulnerable to Him. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Be humble and be willing to submit to His leading and His following. Father God, I love you. And I just uh, I thank you for tonight. 
God, these are hard things. These are hard things to talk about, but God, they're the things that make up life. And they're of paramount importance. God, these are not things we can play with. God, they're important to you. Thereby, they are important to us. God, I pray that you would help us to align our hearts with you, align our lives, our decisions, our actions, our attitudes, our words with you. You're the standard. You're the true north. You're the way, the truth, the life. God, I pray that you would search us tonight. I pray that we would make ourselves vulnerable to you. I pray, God, that we would wrestle with you and and calibrate and get the things right in our lives that need to get right. God, I love you. I thank you for these kids. God, they're precious. I'm looking at these faces tonight, Lord, and God, every one of them you created, every one of them is important to you. Every one of them is valuable more than they can possibly imagine. God, I love them because you love them. I pray, Father God, that, that you would just work in their hearts tonight and that we would be submissive to you. God, I love you and I thank you and I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. One, two, three, let's go!